Welcome to Brilliant Space Live, a show about anti-oppression and communal healing. Each week we pick a hard-hitting topic and dive right into the awkwardness. Mel's back. Hi I'm there. Sorry, to have you back. Uh, I'm Tyshell, a trained social worker, educator, and diversity and equity inclusion, including accessibility practitioner. Um, and I'm going to throw it over to you, Mel. So happy and to I'm Mel. Back. I'm an author, an activist, and a social ethicist. I still, we are. Means. I still don't okay. know what it means. <laughs> you know, ethics, like somebody who does ethics. That's, okay. It's unnecessarily <laughs> hard to say word, uh, but this is a show about awkward conversations, so I feel like awkward words fits into that. And obviously. that's no doubt for what we're doing today. We decided to, and uh, um, we're going we're gonna to talk to our producer who picked this topic today. We're going to just talk about the anatomy of the N-word, the N-word overall. And I'll say, as we start... I will be saying the N-word, not the actual word. I'll be saying the N-word because I don't want anybody to feel like in the in the stratosphere, all of you, to feel like I'm giving anyone permission or taking away permission. So to stay neutral, I will just say the N-word. And we'll talk about if I say it and all of those other things as well. But I really wanted to ask you, Mel, to start with, how awkward do you feel having this conversation? I have not been looking forward to this. Uh, I enjoy talking to you about everything generally, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but this this word makes me so uncomfortable as a white person that, th but this is why we need to talk about it, right? Right, right. I mean, I think people are having the conversation or not having the conversation. I think maybe if we have some of the conversation, because you know it's been written about, it's been talked about, but let's have the conversation. And I wanted to, as we were preparing for this, I said to Mel, like, we, I want you to be a part of this episode. We want to have this conversation because it's awkward. But if you feel awkward about it, there are loads of white people out there who are like, it just, yeah. feel, it just feels icky and sticky. And I don't know, all the other words that end in KY or no, see that. <laughs> that way to a place what are the other ones what are that was, other words? i don't know sticky icky mickey i don't know ricky ticky and todd i don't know <laughs> but it's just a it is an awkward conversation i will say i have never had it fully specifically with a, a white person about the n-word like i do this work but we're not usually talking about that yeah but i think it's worth having a conversation about it is, and I think it's important to have conversations that make you uncomfortable. It's important. Like, I know I'm not yeah. being physically harmed in this conversation. Like, I'll be okay. I'm an adult. We're going to put on our, our big girl pants, our big person pants, and we're going to talk about something tough. And that something oh. is probably the most offensive word in the English language. Would you say? I've heard uh, it called that. I think it, I think in mainstream language, yes. But I will also say, and one of the things we were talking about um, is that every marginalized racialized group has things that are offensive to them right yeah some of them we true. actually say and some of them we don't like we, and we'll talk about more of them but there are certain words that i just don't say because they don't apply to me i think we know better and we do better or we should and i think that is something that we can talk about as well but I, my question to you i guess my first question then in engaging with you is why does it make you feel awkward uh, because it's such a, a big taboo in my world. You just don't say it. You don't think about it. You don't say it. You don't, I mean, I, but I come from 
like West Coast, West Coast, like middle class, you know, pastor's family. It was just like automatic. No, never. Don't do it. Don't touch it. Don't even go near it. Um, but I'm other people, other white folks come from other backgrounds where it might have been very socially acceptable to use that word in white circles. Um, or, you know, for, I don't know, any, we, we can get into that. Let's, let's start with, let's start with your experience in this, because you told me that you have a story about this mm -hmm. for yourself. If you care to share that, oh, I would sure, be very sure, interested sure. I, to hear I, I think through this episode, I'll probably be sharing a couple different stories because it comes up in my life at different times with young people, with white, with some students that I've worked with, with white students. I've never sat down and had a full conversation about the N word, what it means, where it came from, but I've had conversations or in passing with people. So the first time, now we, one of the things I'll say is that in race and racism, they will say by the age of two or three children notice race right and by the age of five or six they've attached some meaning to it now they can attach meaning they don't so kids notice it i will say i worked at a i worked with small children for a long time and they every year they'd be like miss tyshell why are you black and i'm like and i give them a different answer depending on who they were where they because my parents are black you, because okay. god made me black just things like that but there was never any attachment to it so then the next question is like why do you have tattoos or why is your hair curly or something else right there was no attachment to it um they so that's by the age of two or three by the age of five or six they've attached some meaning to these things maybe even disparities and i think about that where that's also often where kids are attaching meaning to and thought process around gender Right, like, and in a, in a heteronormative way, often, and also, so in a heteronormative way, boys are icky and dirty, and girls have cooties or whatever. And in a, and even for trans kids, that's where they're noticing their own gender, and like attaching some meaning to it. So it, it makes sense that race is probably being attached at the same time, good, bad, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, and then, but they say by the age of ten, right? So we've gone from like two or three to five or six at ten most black kids have experienced racism, right? Like that's third or fourth grade. Hmm. And I could probably say the same for myself. It was more, but it was more structural. And I would say for me, it was the first time I experienced racism was, um, I remember going to like, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna age myself real quick. The, the Scholastics book fair at my school. Oh yeah. To, oh, that was the best. Best thing ever. Yeah. And I actually had money to buy something and I wanted to buy something that like, you know, something that felt like me, but at the time there, Disney didn't have any black princesses. Now we didn't get one until the 2000s, I think was when Princess Tiana came along, 2007, I think it was. Um, and it took me a long time to watch that movie, by the way. So that's, but that's an aside. So I bought um, Aladdin and Jasmine paper dolls because she, I felt like she was the only princess that represented me because she was like brown. So, oh, yeah. so it, but I knew that was the only one that was closer to who I was. So that's the first time I re remember conceptualizing race and that I wasn't a part of it. And this was the closest I had to it. Yeah. But the first time I experienced being called the N word, I was probably in my early twenties. And I, I mean, for those folks out there, I'm under 40 now. Um, I was babysitting some white children at the school that I was working at. And we were walking across the street no, I was leaving their house. 
I'm, I'm conflating two stories because that was a real racist day I experienced there. So the first racist part was I was I was uh, watching these children and their neighbor had come out the house, but she saw me with them and she grabbed her child back in the house and shut the door really quick. Mind you, she knew the two children I was babysitting. So that was like, mm, that's a little racist, but there's nothing you can really do about that. But after I was leaving their house, crossing that same street in the same direction, I can, and it's funny because, you know, when you have memories that are heightened, they are imprinted. So it's imprinted like how, what, what was happening for me at the time, like what, yeah. where the direction I was walking, how the air felt that day, I can remember that. And I'm walking across the street and it's a street without a stop light, but a stop sign. And yep. as a pedestrian, I have the right of way and I stopped at the corner and I go to cross the street and this guy is kind of like speeding through and I'm looking at him like I'm crossing the street and he rolls down his window, calls me the N word um, and then keeps going. And it wasn't like, did I hear him say that correctly? It was like, I knew exactly what he said because he said it clear enough. Um, and it was because I didn't get out of the street fast enough. And even saying it makes me feel like, wow. And to me, I just, I don't even think I even mentioned it to my mom or my dad or my family. I, I was 20. I was in my, I was probably 21 or 22. So I was kind of like, wow, like that, because I couldn't cross the street because I didn't, I was in your way. Like, that's why you called me the N word, such, something such, so innocuous. How did that make you feel? I know that's a dumb question, but like, how did it make you feel to be called that? Um, so I think for me, it was, ne I don't, I've never felt like a white person calling me the N word belonged to me. Hmm. Like that, I, by the time I was 20, I was in undergrad. Um, I was taking, I was at, I did undergrad at Temple. So I was taking African-American studies classes. Um, and I knew that word didn't belong to me. Like I knew it said more about him than it did. And I say him cause it was a man, um, than it did me. So it didn't land on me in a way that made me feel bad. It landed on me that I think that at this point it was 2012, 2013. I can't remember the exact year um, that we're still doing that. <laughs> I mean, now it's 2022 and I'm like, oh, we really still doing that. But at the time I thought to myself, we're still doing that. Like, and, and, and I think the thing that landed also is that such a small thing that he couldn't get across the street is what made him do that. Like that, like he, you're, you're in a, and I always think about think So drivers always think about this. You should think about this. You're going to get to where you're going faster than the pedestrian is going to get to anywhere they're going. So like an extra five seconds doesn't make a difference. And people know that when they get into car accidents, but just in general, like him not being able to go when he wanted to go made him call me the N word. Like, it, like, and then I'm, I say made, but like caused him to call me that. Like that's, that, I mean, that's, I, I don't know if that ex he, does, it, that kind of um, answers your question, but that was the, the feeling of what Yeah, happened. it sounds like a really like mature reaction from you, like versus this person who is like clearly unhinged and immature and cruel, you know, and not, oh gosh, I have a lot of things to say about this, but it, it also makes me think that this person from what you described acted like the street belonged to him and not to you. He did yep. not have to yield to you at all in any sense of the word because that was his to master and yours was to get out of his way. So I think that's like why this conversation is so interesting because this word, the N word, is a collection of sounds. 
Like it inherently does not have meaning until culture gives it meaning right. and the context, the context and what is meant behind that word when it's said. And I'm really interested to get into this later of the meanings and the usages. And we're even going to talk about, um, we're going to bring Joe on, one of our producers, who's going to talk with Taishel about possibly, you know, how, how this word might be reclaimed in some senses by black right. communities. So, but, but I think that I don't think that word can escape white lips without tapping into the context of racism. I don't think you can divorce it from its meaning. It can't, mm -hmm. it can't go back to just being a collection of sounds that means something positive when it has meant something negative for so much of American history. Like you, you can't, you can't just decide that that word doesn't mean something just, just because you think it doesn't mean something. I mean, it reminds me a lot of the Confederate flag, right? You can't right. divorce it from its racist roots just because you think it means, what do they say? Um, heritage, not, not hate yeah. or something, you know, like you yeah. decided that. Well, I, would, I, mean, I mean, I would say when you were saying that it actually made me think more of a swastika, right? Because they were like, yeah. people will say, oh, it's a symbol of peace. Yeah, but like at one point it was, but like for most of its understanding, uh, most of understanding about it, it's not. Um, so the, because I would say the Confederate flag, honestly, probably not the same only in that it was created out of hate as a battle flag for them, but people will liken it to the, to the same thing. So it's not the actual Confederate flag. It was a battle flag that was used after, but yes, same, same thought process, same ending. Absolutely. It, it was resurrected by the Dixiecrats party in the forties to support right. segregation. So it was, it was right. resurrected specifically to support separation and hatred. Um, but I've met people in the South today who are like, oh, no, that's not a symbol of hate. No, that's just my Southern heritage. That's just me as a Southerner. Like, it's not hateful. Yeah. Like, they, yeah, they I've, heard like black, I've heard black Southerners say that, too. Really? Not, not a lot of them, but some of them. I'm like, yeah. girls, try. <laughs> try again. Like, that's not what's no. But, you know, but that's from to, that's from yeah. the white perspective, like and the there's not like a singular white perspective, but that's from a white perspective. So. The other thing I wanted to say is, um, before I moved on to a different topic, do you have anything to add to that? No, no, no. I think, I mean, okay. I think for me, just in in having heard it, I I also, um, let me say this as a, as a moniker for this conversation. I did not live through the civil rights era. I did not live through some of these things. So my connection to the word is a more contemporary connection. So if I say, oh, I use it or, oh, this is how I feel about it. Know that what I'm saying is not, my mother may say something different. My grandmother would definitely say something different. So I really want to put that into context as a person who is younger, we have to have, and as you were saying just now, like this is from a white perspective, but there are multiple white perspectives. I am one person of color. We'll bring on our producer who's another person of color, um, black specifically, right? Let me say that. And we may have different contexts for it. We may have some of the same feelings. We may not have exactly the same feeling because one generational, two, um, where we come from and that we just feel differently about it, right? There will be older people who who say you what you said earlier, that there can be no context where it's not racist that can be divorced from, but you may meet, and I think Oprah and, and Jay-Z had a conversation about this years ago on his stoop, when he was on the stoop or something. And she she's a person who doesn't think people should say it. And he's like more of the reclaimed generation. And we'll talk a little bit about reclaiming and things like that, but I am one perspective. So I am not, this is, like I said, I'll say the N word because this, I cannot give permission 
And that's not what I'm here for. So that's the yeah. one thing I wanted to add. But let's talk about some history. So it's really interesting you talked about child development earlier. And I know you have an education background and background in like early children's education. So one of the earliest uh, depictions of the N-word we could dig up is from 1837. So way back, you know, 30 okay. years before the Civil War, a reverend named, a black reverend named uh, Hosea Easton described kids throughout many, many cities in the U.S. Um, making, sitting, like sitting in the town square, like just mm -hmm. openly mocking African-Americans who walked by calling them the N-word over and over and over again, like just mocking, ridiculing, um, mm -hmm. insulting. The ch he, he talked about the children specifically doing it. And sometimes the adults would join in and then that same year, some white abolitionists also, we have writings from them also say, yeah, this was what was happening. So like they cooperated, like, not that, not that I'm down and he tell, was telling the truth, but like multiple sources from multiple different places right. have been like, yeah, this was like a common practice for like children of like, they specifically said of good Christian, like church going white folks, like their kids would just sit outside and like mock black people. Like, I don't know why, I don't know why children would be taught to do this, but it's so interesting that our concepts of race get developed really early on and what we involve children in and, and teach them gets mm -hmm. carried on to those presuppositions for following generations. So a couple of things that you said that kind of make me think, well, one, the fact that good Christian had to be noted in, in, in yeah. these writings, yeah. one. But then also it made me think of two two things specifically outside of that, well, three things, but then that, and then the other two being things that kids do that their parents may teach them that is not acceptable for an adult to do is mm -hmm. why I think about the mocking, right? I was just watching a video, I think it was on, usually when I say I'm watching a video, it was probably TikTok. So let me just, let me just preface <laughs> it. But there were some kids who ran up to a man's house and smashed pumpkins or something. And um, this is not the first time they've done it and they got caught. And only one of the kids' mothers came over and was like, sorry, you know, they made them clean it up or whatever. But just as something that kids do that um, is not acceptable or whatever, like this whole mocking thing, that's what it made me think of. But the other thing it made me think of is the movie, The 42. And it's a movie um, about Jackie Robinson um, being the first major but I'm, see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess it up because sports ball is not my thing. But anyway, I went to go see the movie and there was a little boy who thought Jackie Robinson was awesome, not because he was black, but because he was a good baseball player and he loved it. And he's in the stadium and they start chanting the N word. And in like, within like five minutes of him here, not even five minutes, I'm sure it wasn't five minutes, but in like a couple seconds or minutes of him hearing it, he starts chanting the N-word too. So just how fast that racism was passed to him and it shaped his thoughts. So now he knows what to do and then later he's gonna find out why to do it, right? He didn't even have to find out. He just, then, you know, this is, it, it, it brings up so many different things like groupthink and how children are taught through passive learning and all of these things. But like he knows to say the N-word and he went in loving it. He went in with a baseball, um, a mitt, glove, uh, oven mitt. I don't know what they use in sports ball. I, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't know. Um, but he, <laughs> Even I know that's mitt. not right. I know. I know. <laughs> um, so he goes in and he's like so excited to see Jackie Robinson, but I don't even know who he went with, but um, they start chanting the N-word 
and he knows to do it. And it just is, to me, it was so like, prof- and I don't know if that's even supposed to be a profound moment of the movie, but it was for me because I was just like, it changed his whole perspective. And as I was saying, it does it, he knows to do it. And then later he'll find out why, like he doesn't even know why he's doing it, but he knows that's the thing that he's supposed to do. Yeah. Wow. So children yeah. model it's around us and yeah. Yeah, sit with you. She's like, you're like, yeah, I gotta sit with that for a second. And it, and it is. So when we think about, when I think about the N-word and the history of it, we also have often think about like when, when, because it, it didn't start off that way. Like, you know, much like we talked about with the swastika, it didn't start off that way. It started as a descriptor, um, came from Spanish, the Spanish word, um, Negro, you know, or whatever it is. And I'm not, I'm not going to attempt to speak Spanish because that wasn't my language in, in school. Um, and then it was a descriptor, but then got co-opted, right? In, in, you know, as we were saying before 1837, right? So just thinking about where, how long it's been around as a derogatory word, um, I think will lead us into our conversation a little, a little bit later about what, what it feels like and whether reclaiming is even the right thing to do. Uh, spoiler alert, there's no answer. Right? Like, there's no answer to this. I don't have an answer, but go ahead. Well, it also seems like there's a class element to this mm. in what I've read in the history, because like, it seems like even through, you know, like the civil rights, civil war and like the later 1800s, then it, it, there, there, I want to be careful. I would say that how I say this, um, it seemed like the N word was used for lower class or working African-American folks and upper class people were called other forms of um like negro or colored yes thank you i i don't even feel comfortable <laughs> saying those yeah, words I'll, I'll I'm, say I'm struggling here yeah um so i wonder and i think there's also a class element to today to white folks who will use that word so i think it's really interesting to think about this in terms of class warfare as well you know the mm. intersectionality between race and class so do you have any thoughts on that so i do because my thought process about like whether I think, so when I'm thinking about it this way, I don't think that it makes it any better because, or whether who says it or not, because what gets created by the upper echelon, the the ruling class gets carried out by poor whites, right? That's the tie to white supremacy culture. Um, I was actually in a workshop not too long ago with um, Robin D'Angelo. She read this story from the 30s, I think it was the 1930s, where they were saying like the, the deal between the poor white man and the rich white man, and it was created by the rich white man. It was not created by the poor white man, this deal. And it was presented as a deal like, hey, I won't fire you from your job and I'll give you a little bit to make you know profits for myself, but what you will always know and always have is that you're better than the people of color, right? And it was specifically about black people, right? So does it make it better that poor whites say the N word? No, because they're not the, structurally, and this is when we think about um, folks who, in like what we call the, the Bible Belt, the Rust Belt, they are experiencing poverty as well and the only thing that they have is that they're better than people of color, immigrants, um, black people, you know, things like that. But the problem is the ruling class is telling you that that's all you have. 
and that may not actually even be true or maybe it is so if the ruling class is saying we don't say the n-word only poor whites say that but they're still creep they the the structure of racism is still around the entire system yes they're just they don't have to do that their hands are not dirty yeah and what's ultimately i mean okay so let's let's be ethicists for a minute what's ultimately (laughs) worse like perpetuating systems of like gross racial inequality and wealth inequality in this country by the you know the laws that you practice that you put in place the financial policies that you put in place because you have the power to do it as a rich white person as part of the ruling class is that worse that's causing mass suffering and mass inequality or is saying a racial slur worse because you're a poor white person without power maybe there is no one is worse or one is the other but you can't you can't let yourself off the hook because, oh, you're one of those nice white people who don't say the N-word, but like you have all these other ways that you contribute to racism. Well, how it's, I think one of the things that gets that gets played out there and we when we contribute, when we look at this from a contribution standpoint as what you're saying, this is why we can't say that racism is this or is that because yeah. for one to be true, the other one has to exist, right? So we have to, we have to really look at deeply why one is doing the other and who what's causing one right so if we say that there's racism the individual acts also matter because then they perpetuate this and they go back to that and and who is really pulling those puppet strings to do it so if i here's 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 my here's gonna be my analogy and and sorry if it does not um it's not a great one right it's just the the one that comes in who is more at fault if I hire a hitman and I pay for the hitman to kill my whomever, right? Person, person B. I was gonna say X, but I was like, no, that sounds too much like Malcolm X. Um, person B, I'm gonna hire the hitman to kill person B. I paid them the money. I told them what to do. I told them where to go to find this person. And then person B actually does it. Yeah. Who's more culpable? Yeah. Person exactly. B, I mean, you know, the, the hitman or the, yeah, because, yeah. and I say that because one is not like the hitman would not have done it had they not have all the things. And maybe the hitman would have did it to somebody else, but there still had to be somebody pulling the puppet strings to act it, to make the act. You're real. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That like the rich white ruling classes, especially in conservative media, let's just say it, they, they fan the flames of these fires that, that white working class people need to not only fear people of color and immigrants and, and outsiders in a xenophobic fashion, but they, they stoke the flames of like, let's exercise your power over those people because you feel powerless. So let's exploit that for votes, for campaign contributions. Um, to make but you... I'm going to go one step further then. Yeah, they're do. not fanning the flames. They are giving you the match and the kerosene and yeah. telling you where to set the fire. Right. So it's not yeah. like it's not this like and then they'll fan the flames for you and go, you should you should if you if you cover it up, this is how you can go faster and this is how you can go bigger because mm-hmm. like they're paying for it. Right. You know, so we have to really look at that when we're t- and we've we've gotten so deep down the rabbit hole of like understanding racism. But this is part of it. Right. So am I upset with the person who called me the N-word? Absolutely. But I'm also upset with the structure that allowed, that told him that that was a right that he had. Yeah. And right? even if he hadn't called you that word and he had still acted entitled to own the street and you had no right to be walking on his street because he's a white person and he owns the country and you don't, like, 
the presence or absence of that word doesn't change what was in his heart and what the malice that he intended toward you. Right. So, and I, and I, I, well, I would, I would take, I would, I'm going to expand that a little further, not just his heart, his brain, his education system, it's all his, the systems. So yeah. this is where people, cause when people say like, uh, I, that so-and-so doesn't have a racist bone in your body. I'm like, I, you can, osteoporosis of racism is not a thing that we're worried about. We're about <laughs> all the other things. So, and I, <laughs> sorry, but I, <laughs> so I say that because I got crosswalk checked the other day, probably just three weeks, two, three weeks ago. And I know because it had to be two, three weeks ago cause I wasn't wearing a coat. And I remember exactly how that felt as well. And it wasn't because that person called me in the word. They, I was walking across the street, you know, that's that look you give somebody when it's a stop sign and it was two cars and it's a big truck, which is also very stereotypical. So it, I'm just telling you what it was. I'm not saying that these are stereotypes that I have to use. Um, and they saw me cause we made eye contact cause I can tell you what they're wearing in my brain. I know. And they revved their engine and jutted forward as I was crossing the street. And then I, gr- I got across the street as quickly as I could. And they were in a huge truck. Right. So oh. do I feel differently about those two groups of people? No. One said the N word and one crosswalk checked me, but the, but the feeling is the same. Yeah. So it's intended. I mean, let, but let's call a spade a spade for a moment. Both of those people were were do, were saying things and doing things that intended to, their intention was to make you afraid. Mm-hmm. That is called terrorism, using terror as a weapon against other people. That's and to let me know their what their ownership was and what I didn't have. Yeah, that's right? terrorism. The, the street belongs to me and why are you here? You're t- we are teaching people in the systems of our country, in the history of our country, in the systems of social, the cultural systems of our country, that it's okay to terrorize our neighbors. Like, how? Why? Why has that become so normalized? I mean, I know why, obviously. Right, right, right. But it's, I don't think, I don't think we realize how, how sick and damaging that is to live right. and, in and, that. And I will say that because there's a, what is the, I think there's a saying about hate hate does more has does is say about the same or more i think they say i don't i don't know if it's gonna be more but i'll I'll say it the way i remember it in my brain hate does more than to the vessel in which it is stored than to the vessel in which it is poured and i would say yeah. it's probably equal right like that person lives with all of that like somebody asked me the other so i was talking to someone the other day and they were saying like you walk around like um as a person of color i don't want to walk around angry all the time about racism i said have you seen black people? We be happy all the time. We be in, because we're conditioned to 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 be used to some of this stuff, which is also terrible. But I'm not walking around angry every day because if I did, that's not productive for me anyway. But how often do you see people who, you know, white white lower class people who are also experiencing white supremacy? Shocker, they are, but they don't know it because it feels invisible to them. Um, who are angry? who are angry, yeah. like they're not just joyful, they're angry. No, they have and no joy. And it's because <laughs> they have to, they're holding it with all yeah. of it. And they don't, and sometimes not even knowing why, right? It's miserable. It's miserable right. to hate people like that. You're a miserable person. Like, I mean, I would feel sorry, but it's like, you ha- you should know better as an adult. I don't know, but right. it's, but it's, it kind of goes back to this question of, and I don't, I want to be careful saying this. Um, and I, I think I want to just like say it and then we can move on because I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but white identity has has formed in such a way over centuries 
that white people see ourselves as inherently entitled to things, entitled to own streets, entitled to rev our engines and pretend to run people over, entitled to use whatever words we want, and no one can tell us not to do it. Like, I literally legitimately think that- Well, you just pulled us right into our next part, so that'll be great, go ahead. I really do think that white people say the word just to exercise power and to exercise the fact that they kind of can like Mm -hmm. it's i think it's a i think it's a power thing like i i I have a hard time understanding it because i was raised to so not use that word but i think i mean but i have heard white folks in hushed tones speaking to other white folks like they could use the literal the n-word they could say the n-word but they choose to drop the actual n-word they they choose to say it in like hushed tones amongst themselves like because they can it's like this little exertion of like there's my power right here like i'm i'm still a colonizer right and it also feels it feels taboo and people like things that are taboo and then the ownership that comes with doing it so this i think this is you're right i think you were saying you didn't want to get into it but i think this is the second part that we wanted to talk about right so we wanted to bring on and we'll introduce our our um illustrious and she's gonna blush when i say this because she's an emotional emotional creature person uh, gotta stay away from calling black people <laughs> creatures but she's an emotional person um but we wanted to have this conversation bringing in our producer um to have more than one you know black voice talking about why do white people want to say it so much and so uh want to introduce to you our um our producer joe who chose this episode for us in all its awkwardness for for mel and all the conversation around it so um we bring to you one of our producers joe hi joe welcome oh i think you're you're on mute she's like i'm trying to center my camera there we go (laughs) yes hi hi (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. So Joe, tell us a little bit of whatever you want to tell us and tell the audience about yourself, like who you are, where you're from, anything that you want to say. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I, my name is Joe. I use she, her, her pronouns. I get so like awkward when people tell me to, to um, introduce myself. Introduce <laughs> I work in higher education, uh, specifically student affairs. So um, I am kind of like just head first into um, DEI work because I do a lot of training and things of that sort in that area. So um, I am really happy to be here and thank you for for trusting me to talk on this and, you know, hang with y'all. And and what she didn't tell you too, I'll say, is that I used to be Joe's supervisor at another job and she was great to supervise. So um, I try, I I mean, (laughs) only on Tuesdays. I I love to. Well, it's Wednesday, so get it together. (laughs) (laughs) So we wanted to, so part of the conversation we wanted to bring you in for Joe is like why why people want to say it. Like, and and I think Mel kind of led us right into that part. Like really thinking about what is the allure and how and why. And I know you had some thoughts because you put this episode together. So why do you think white people want to say it so bad? You know, it's funny, like I... I can't say that like I've ever befriended a white person who has wanted to say that word or who has said it in front of me because I've never allowed the white folks within my circle the comfortability to even want, like to even feel like it's okay to say. And I don't associate with people who just 
don't know how to act. So I give myself, you know, I toot my horn for that. Um, but honestly, I think part of it, one, is that it's it's a form of linguistic, like, it's a linguistic weapon, right? Like, it's this idea of, like, they're not saying it just for the willy-nilly of saying it. I think part of it is that, you know, using it for as a weapon. And then also, I think it's this idea of just, like, they want to access to the to black culture and to blackness and they feel as if like saying it and um saying it in music saying it to their black friends or to you know their 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 friends in general is like cool and hip and all of these things and it it speaks to the idea of like how i think a lot of a lot of white folks want to experience the joy and the coolness of black culture but not necessarily understanding the impact um that that word can have uh, especially used in in a variety of contexts so that's my take so i have but, a thought right let, uh, let me let me let me let me go on this thought for a second so i'll think i'm thinking about um so, it made me it, what you said joe made me remind me of another story so i was out at my friends she used to work at a restaurant and their christmas party and we literally i literally had a white person say the n-word and like half the room turned around like who is she with? Who? And the girl said, and I was one of those people. And the girl said, well, my black friends let me say it. <laughs> and I had to go to her and go, where is your black friend? Because either I need to talk to them or you need to go sit next to them and sit. Yeah. Bes- I'm going to sit beside them. Because to me, yeah. this extension of, well, so-and-so let me do it. And, and I think it speaks to, and I'll, Mel, I'll let you go. Because I, I wanted to go into this deeper thought about this closeness that exists, but uh, Amal wanted to hear what you had to say before. <clears throat> I was going to go in a very similar direction, so I'm glad you said this. Okay, so I have heard white folks say, oh, I have a really close black friend and my black friend lets me say this. But I feel like, okay, in those situations, wouldn't it be possible that the black friend wouldn't want to be confrontational? Like might actually be bothered by it and just wouldn't want the to- The power like, dynamic too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I've never, and maybe y'all have, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this. I've never heard a black person invite a white person like, okay, now, yes, I would like you to start using this word to refer to me. I now, I now invite you to, to use this word and now it's okay for you. I've never heard a black person initiate that. I've only heard no. white people like inserting themselves and then no one stopped them and then they yeah. assumed that it was fine. My experience has always been as someone who is who speaks, you know, more than one language. English is not my first language. Creole is I am I was born in Haiti. My experience with a lot like language wise, a lot of white folks don't want to learn about the the beautiful things within my language. They always want to learn the curses, right? And like <laughs> and as funny as that is. And I think another point too is that like I think a lot of white folks uh confuse proximity uh as protection right like this idea like this idea of like their proximity to blackness and their proximity to black people offers them this sort of like protection against the consequences of after when like when they say it right so like you can say like anybody can say whatever the hell they want however you do not get to decide the consequences of that so if i had a white friend who decided, yeah, no, Joe, like, can I say it? And I'm like, you know what, go ahead, you do you do that. 
and they say it and they're walking down the street they're like yo what's up my n-word and somebody smacks the crap out of them i cannot protect you from that and i won't protect you from that because i am not your proximity to me does not automatically right. extend protection to you to be able to to hurt other black people so i'll, I'll give a little bit of a different spin on that I, not telling people they can say it but I will no, say, yeah, so when I, my one of my first um, jobs working in student affairs, because I also worked in student affairs as well, was I was walking behind to a group of boys, like three or four. And one of the, and I heard the, the white one say the N-word. And I looked at him and I said, hey, and I stopped all of them. And they were like, oh, it's not a big deal. I don't care, right? So as I was saying in the beginning, um, when we first were talking about this, is that I have a generational, a young generational perspective on it, whereas an older generation may not say that they want anyone to say it, that they want young people to say it, whatever, because I don't have the connection. So I think honestly, the younger people get, and maybe that'll change with all the crap that's going on right now in our government and how they're trying to take away literally everybody's rights. Um, maybe so i'm thinking you know when you don't have the closeness to any of it then it feels like just a word right and because it's in music yeah. or because it's here now i'll say i have heard people say you can say it right but it but i will say mel to your point there's not anybody saying hey i would really like if you started using the n-word and i think yeah. that often yeah. happens with um latinx and hispanic people first that they will say, oh, you can say it, I don't care. But I will, one of the things I was thinking about as we were talking about this, as we were preparing for this episode, this, the, the proximity conversation. If you meet, and I grow up, and I'm an American born black person, the, every black neighborhood has a white guy or a white girl, and she's down, and she's family, and she's whatever. We threw the same thing. My, the one in my neighborhood, we used to call him White Mike, right? Mike is cool. <laughs> I don't think, right. I, listen, I dated a guy that they used to call Black Chris. And after I found that out, I was like, after I wised up, we don't date anymore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was a teenager. Forgive me. Forgive me because I was young. Congratulations. Right? But thank you. But um, <laughs> one of the things that I think happened in that com in, in, in White Mike being a part of the neighborhood is that he did have access and proximity. So I don't, I don't think I ever heard White Mike say it but I could imagine that people would be okay if he did, right? And I think that's this thing that, to, to your point, Joe, is that white people want to feel close without having put in the work. So, right, we had this conversation, this is drawing back to like our first episode, Mel, where we talked about white women's proximity in the workplace, where white women feel like, you know Keisha, but you don't really know Keisha. You're like, oh my God, Keisha, we're so close. And we're like, like I was saying this to my best friend the other day, I'm, so I'm drawing so many parallels. I was reading this thing about Scorpios, me, that's my that's my sign, um, is that a Scorpio won't hug a person if we don't like them or have a relationship with them because we just don't do fake. And I remember being out with my best friend and the white girls would be like, oh my God, oh my God, B, I love you. And she'd be like, yeah, I love you too. And I'd be like, why are y'all, I don't, what's happening right here? She's like, oh, they just say it like, they just say it. Like they don't, I don't know if they actually mean it or whatever, but that's just a thing that they say. And I think it's this closeness thing but I think what white supremacy has done, and this is what, what I think white people need to resonate with, is that it's taken your understanding of community and communal away. Because yeah. white supremacy culture is an individualistic. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I got here. My yeah. family, me and the people that live in my household, my family, we are close. 
right. right? Whereas other communities of color, and I'm speaking specifically about black people, but I can think about Latinx communities, Asian communities, where we live in a communal way. Mm-hmm. We, ex- we engage communally. So when a white person gets even any level of access to people of color in a, in a relational way, it's an, it become it, I think it sometimes becomes ownership, but it feels so good because they're so starved of that in white spaces. That right? is so, so, so true. And, and I think that's what I would argue. Yeah. And I would argue that is why, like, that is why, and I know this is segueing into the, the next, you know, part of what we wanted to talk about, but I think that is why we have been able to reclaim the word, right? This idea of this communal understanding of, what we now want the word to mean to us. And we see that a lot, you know, we saw it in the, the slut walk, um, a woman reclaiming the word. Um, uh, we see that in queer communities, uh, queer folks reclaiming the word queer, like it's right. not new. Right. And, I, and, I, and I think for me, the frustration comes with this, this kind of pretense that it is when black, fo- black folks are talking about being able to reclaim the word. And I, and I could argue too that like reclaiming is successful because the folks who have used the word to degrade and speak negatively and use it negatively and use it as a as a term of violence now want to use it in a different context right like now want to have the in that you know have allowed has allowed us to to use that word in a positive way regardless of how you feel about it um so it's it's very it's a very interesting parallel that you it, it is, and I think it I think it is strange. Go ahead, Mel. I wanted to uh, pull you into the part of that conversation, but I have some another another story, and then I think as we transition into the third part, a different thing as well. Yeah. So my understanding of reclaiming is taking a word that's been used for like powerfully bad things, like and like literally flipping that word upside down and emptying it of its power by using right. it in a different context, and 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 take and and saying like this is now offensive for anyone but our in community to use in a very particular setting but like anyone else who uses this word it still has the historical context uh, you're like right. so i think that's what a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around i honestly think it's like this adolescent knee-jerk reaction like you can't tell me what words i can't can't say you know but i also think that goes into white ownership where like you can't tell me because i own all of these things right and i think about that so i wanted to go back a little bit but i think it also leads into what you're talking about so this 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 starving that that white supremacy culture has given given to white people in that they don't feel this communal thing right so then we put it in a song we reclaim it and they're like but why can't i say it why am i on the outside it's like we i mean i think talking about the communal part of it and the understanding for white people is is great but then also like because i said so that's what my mother like it's not for you and i think what your your description of reclaiming is so that to to joe's point about to then to to joe's point about um reclaiming the term queer right i i can i'll say it but I'm not walking around calling people that specifically. I think that's more of a an open one that, I mean, I've heard um, LGBTQIA folks use the F word and I'm not gonna say that either. And yeah, that's probably a, a better analogy maybe. Like, right, I mean, I, mean it, yeah. I think they both have space, but queer was a term to describe. And it's also like when you say the, the term homosexual just feels like that feels weird now. <laughs> right, it just, it just feels old. Right, yeah, right, yeah. and it because it was clinical at one point. Yeah. But I think when, when I am not, and, and as we go into the conversation of reclaiming, I want to start with this. For me, 
I don't think about saying the F word, though I have heard LGBTQ people say it. I don't, it don't keep me up at night. I'm not like, mm, I wish I could say it. Right, like, because it just does not belong to me. And I know we yeah. one of the videos we watched that to to kind of really illustrate that point is we were preparing, because we do prepare to have these conversations, no matter how sloppy they sound when we talk about them, <laughs> we do prepare because we want to bring, you know, conversation, but also educational um, components of this conversation is Ta-Nehisi Coates's, I don't remember what university he was at, but he, as he talked about, like, there are certain contexts for words that you know mm-hmm. to not say. Right. right, like I know, like, and he he used the word bitch, and he's saying like my I've seen my wife call her friends that, but I'm not gonna walk into the room and go yeah, you know, like, and say <laughs> it to them because I know the boundary because I am not a part of that relationship, right? right? Yeah. And I think that also draws back to what we were talking about for like you can't get a black person to extend the there's there's a I think it was like a racism thing or something like a, a video about racism and it was like oh I let my it was like black people insurance is what they called it or something it's like oh that, that your policy does not cover the n-word like I can let you say it but when you come up to me I am not that I'm not part of that relationship so if you allow your my thing is and this is my as we close that part and go to the reclaiming part my my stance on whether you let people say, I don't want you to let people say it. I don't want, I want black people to understand the history and not let other people say it. But because I don't, because I don't run your life and I can't tell you what to do, hashtag pro-choice, right? Like I don't tell you what to do. I'm not gonna let my white friend say it. But if you choose to let them know that they can't do that with everybody, let yeah. them know, hey, when you with me, you can say it. When you yeah. When you're not with me, I'm not really sure what'll happen because here's the thing also to the people of color who do let their friends say it, right? Know that you're going to be fighting with them when they say it to the wrong person. You can't just run your white friend. I remember, and I'll give a, a small story too. Like I was on the train with a white friend of mine and she got into a little bit of a back and forth with a black girl. And I was like, it's okay, you know, whatever. And I was like, but my, I said to her after we got home, my white friend, I said, Hey, I cannot save you if a black girl beat you up. Because you can't, I can't be in that triangulated situation. What I can do for you is say, hey, Tina, I got her. Don't worry about, I got her, right? Because I'm saving you, but I'm also letting Tina know, I'm gonna check her, you don't have to, right? Because when you're not with me, if you go up to any other group of black girls and do the same thing, I'm not, like I can't save you. So just let people know, if you are choosing to let your white friends say it, I'm not endorsing that, let them know, hey, when you're not with me, that may not be the same course you get back. And to add to that too, is like, that's not where it stops. I think for me, that is a clear representation of one, not only do they see me as something that they can use to get access to to some to something else. Mm. And then two, it's just like, where does it stop, right? Like, okay, so now I've, I've given you permission to say the N word, what else? What else would you like permission to do that because you know that there is a specific impact that Mm -hmm. is carried with saying it without getting my permission, what else do you want my permission to do? Right? Excellent point. And I think for me, it's just like, it's, I think instead of looking at it as just like, oh yeah, one and done thing, one, it can potentially put put that person in a very like contentious situation when they say it outside of your presence. And two, what are what are you really giving them permission to do right like and where where does where does it end it doesn't end at just being able to say the n-word and just kiki keying when it's you know when it's said in music and blah 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 like 
I think it's really important for specifically like black folks to understand if you're going to let your your white friends say that there is a lot more to unpack there with not only them getting being comfortable enough to ask you is also to what are you what do you need to unpack within yourself that allows them that that extends to them that permission to be able to say something that you know carries so much weight within your community i think that's something that i i've never been able to like i can't trust for me i can't trust and black folks who allow white people allow white people to say to say the n-word and or any other derogatory term to be honest i, I think about that too i mean i'm a, I'm a person who's full of I'm a storyteller. I'm a person who's full of stories. And I was working at a job, same job where I heard these uh, group of boys saying the N word. And my supervisor came up to me and said, can I touch your hair? And I was like, it was like my first or second week at this job. And she's my supervisor, a white woman. And she goes, can I touch your hair? And I look at her and go, my, but my knee jerk reaction was no. Like I was like, no. And she said, but I'm not going to say this other person's name. Um, she goes, I'll use, I'll give them a pseudonym, but Barbara lets me touch her hair and my response. And I should, I probably, she could have fired me. But at that point it was like, it was a part-time job. I didn't care. Um, and I had also, this was after I graduated grad school, she said, well, Barbara let me touch, lets me touch her hair. I said, well, you should go touch Barbara's hair. Go, I'm returned to sender. If she sent you, you need to go back to her because my thing was, but here's a key here and as, as joe as you're saying and it makes it makes me think about this point it's not an it's not a key that opens every door yeah and if i get she gave you access to whatever she put you in that space with that does not allow you access to me i don't even know if and to mel to your point i don't know if barbara felt the agency to say no the way i did yes yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to, and here's, that's why I say to people, if you're going to allow somebody to do something, cause I've heard people say, I don't care if they ask me this question. I don't care. I said, but let them know that they can't come ask me or I may not have it because now they're going to say me. Cause I don't know if my, at that point, my supervisor is now looking at me as a mean person. You put, you didn't just put that white person in a situation where I could have been like, yo, what fuck is your problem? Or put me in a situation to say yes and feel inferior, feel whatever in that situation. So if you are gonna let people say it, then you have to let them know this may not be another person's reaction because if you're going to allow somebody access, tell them what's inside the room, right? Can I just say also like what sick weirdo needs to touch other people's hair? Like, why are you doing that? It's, a, it's the same it's reason people say the owner. It's the same reason people say the N word. It is an ownership thing. It's an ownership. Yeah. It, it, it's it's it it's it's this. Else. So the yeah. hair thing, we can talk about black hair in a different time. But it's also so if people want to look up Sarah Bartman and we'll post something on our mm -hmm. on our Instagram after. It's this this uh, exoticism and this difference. You all are so different that I want to literally. Sarah Bartman was a person that they put on Just who like, was a part of a circus act and in a zoo. Mm -hmm. right because they thought her body was so different than theirs right and it must have been it she must have she hypersexualized them all these things so it's this ownership i want to touch your hair because it's so different from mine okay but why and yeah. also what are you getting from it and what am i allowed i'm not a dog don't pet me like what does that right. look like and it's yeah. the same thing for the n-word it's so it's and the so, reaction you know 
and the reaction would not be the same if I, as a black girl, went up to a white woman and, and touched and asked her to touch her hair or just touched her hair without any sort of like. I used to tell people like saying the, saying uh, asking a black girl to touch her hair is like if I turned around to white women and said, "Are you a natural blonde?" So <laughs> blonde hair, and they're like, "What do you mean?" Right? Th that that same thought process. I think not as much, but just that yeah. thought process of this ownership of my body, of my words, of my culture, and I think part of that goes back to white people being so starved for community. This community. So let's Star talk a little bit about go ahead. for community and not fully developing the ability to empathize because why would you want to lob a word around that you know could be so hurtful and hurt yeah. people and re-traumatize people like why would you want to do that and i will say too like to your point the first the first time black folks usually use that word is not in the ending of a it's in the ending of the hard er right like right. and i would say that even for a lot of like I, again, like I was not born here. When I came here, the first time I heard that word was within hard ER with like a, another student, another white student calling me that in school because I put my foot on the um, bar behind, like on their chair. When I was sitting behind them, I put my foot on the bar on their chair. How and they didn't you? feel like I was seven or eight. Oh my God. Just what I'm saying, I mean, like and, at any age, but that's so young. That's what I'm saying. Like a yeah. lot of black folks like don't, just start out with just saying the word like just hearing that word and using it in the in the frame of reclamation they you they hear it and they're usually told it in the it to be to use as, as a way to harm in so like for me it's yeah. like yeah for me it's like to your point of just like i i never under I, I can never say that i understand why white folks really even want to say it but it's 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 this idea of like there's there's no way if you're living in the US, especially in the US, you cannot say that you don't understand or you don't know the history of that word, regardless yeah. of like where you hear it in music, TV, whatever, you cannot say that you don't know that there's a difference in the way that you say it because intent and impact matters. Um, so it's just like, I can't tell you what to say, but I, don't, I just, I don't, I look at you sideways when you when that's the hill that you want to die on essentially well if you know you know how i know all white people in this country know that that's a bad term because if a white person call, is called an n-word lover they know that it's a derogatory phrase yeah like they know yeah. you know and as yeah. someone who's been called that for doing anti-racism work and who's been called a race traitor and who's been called a, you know pandering or whatever it's okay like but mm -hmm. but those words cut because i am being I'm being shamed for my proximity to blackness yeah. in like a solidarity sense, right? Mm -hmm. And like, that's not even like calling me that word. It's just saying like, I am in solidarity with people who are being called that word. Like, right. it feels awful. And that's not even, th that word's not even lobbed at me. Like, it feels yeah. awful. So one of the things that we didn't get far into, because the reclaiming, I think, could be, you know, a full another episode as well. But is this, is this, when white people have said that, uh, so one thing, one white people will say, nobody should say it, right? If I don't get to do it, then nobody can do it. It's very, Absolutely. very weird, jealous, like, if I can't decide. have you, nobody can have you, right? And it's mine to decide. <laughs> I created it, how dare you take me and tell me I can't, yeah, it's, it's, it's white people being an abusive boyfriend, right? Um, and it's the same thing where uh, you, where white people also will now say, being called a racist is like being called the N-word. And I'm like, no, just what no. if you weren't? Shut it down. <laughs> like, what? 
And you're like, y'all try so hard for race, not y'all, but you know, in general, just yeah. try so hard to have some kind of micro. I, I saw that TikTok that you made the other day about wanting to be oppressed, <laughs> um, um, a certain group wanting to be oppressed. Right, yeah. and it is. It's this wanting to be uh, like I'm all because I think people I feel, feel like I feel right out. because it Please feels like oppressed. it feels like you're special, yeah. and it's like listen, if black people could get rid of racism, we like probably would like mo- most. Um, oh, you in know. a heartbeat, Candace Owens would lose her job, but like most of them uh, would feel it's this feeling of feeling special. And they're like, I'm oppressed. So like, when you call me the N-word, it's like being called the, I mean, when you call me a racist, it's like being called the N-word. I'm like, I don't. That's just, I don't. No. Send them to me all the time. The math is not mathing there, but no. so yeah. So, one, and it's one, funny because I, I have. To, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to like shush you. I just was like, I want to, <laughs> uh, I, I do want to talk about the, the hard R versus the A. So this is what I've heard white folks say, like they're singing along to a rap song or whatever. And they're like, they, I've heard white people like sing the N word in the song. They're like, oh, it's just the, the lyrics and it ends in an A. So it's fine. I would love to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, I've heard multiple people do this. This is me and but, Joe's perspective on this. Oh, yeah, their oh, eyeballs, really? just, both of them just got <laughs> as big as dinner plates. Like, seriously? No, I was like, what so I'm, just, and I'll, I'm just I'll singing like, the lyrics, guys. I can't possibly be, I can't possibly be responsible for what comes my out of my thought mouth. process on that is like you know right and that's that where where i encourage people and that we posted on our tiktok before this the ta-nehisi coast like you know it's not something to say because you are saying it quietly but i mean there are people who say it loudly and we need people need to be stopped but the thought process that a versus and i understand where it came from because er was the derogatory way it was said but mm-hmm. like that's like saying like I hate you, but like I hate ya. Like that's not they don't <laughs> like it, the math is not mathing on that one. So please just stop. I think for me, I'm not letting and I listen. I have stopped some of my Hispanic and Latinx friends from saying it as well. And I think specifically that because I also understand that it's an ethnicity and not a race. So there are Afro Afro Latinx people as well. But this was a person who said, oh, I'm not, I'm not black, I'm this, right? Like, she, you know, this person who said, I also don't like this person anyway, but before, before <laughs> when we were friends, she said it and I said, oh, no, 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 we're not gonna do that. If you don't, if, if I'm not a part of that community and you're not a part of this community because that's what you've said and I accept that, I don't see any problem with that, you cannot be a part of that. And it, I've heard Asian people say, and I'm just like, yeah. no, like you can't know. And if you, listen, I need to see your birth certificate blackness before you can say it around. And my thing is, right, I just me. thought about this, right? Like the point of reclaiming is the word is to take it back from black, from white people. Yeah. Right, like to me, when I'm recla- like me reclaiming, wanting to reclaim the N word is to take the power away from black, from white people and putting it in my community right yeah. back to me so yeah. it makes no sense for me to then extend that to you like if why reclaim it why re- what's the point of reclaiming it if everybody can say it right and like and and maybe pe- folks won't agree with me on this but to me it's just like if me to me for me to be able to reclaim the word and for for the black community successfully successfully re- reclaim the word it means that white folks the power that you have when you say it the power that you have to harm and be violent when you say it is 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 null and void and another part of it is that it's just like i i as a black person deal with too much like actual like systemic racism to allow you the small victories 
<laughs> that I can have by reclaiming right, right. the things that you use on a daily basis to harm me, right? Like, exactly. I, I, one right. of the things I think too, though, is if you, why want to, right? And then also this, there are other ways to be close to people of color and understanding. And, and you know, yeah. back to thinking about like the, the white mics in the black neighborhoods, he knew, he knew, and even maybe that's why they felt like it was okay for him to say it, no matter how it was being said, ER, and I don't think anybody um, in, in who grew up in a black neighborhood know not to say ER, because we would all turn around, right? Yeah. But I think when we're thinking about how we engage this whole, I think some people, the reason that N-A or G, whatever, A or A-H, that's the one I was looking for, um, say, oh, it doesn't have the same meaning is because there's no tie to it. But until America, and subsequently the rest that of the colonized world has let go of all the racism, you can't say it, right? Like, and I say that because I don't make if the there was no racism, like right? Like, like if there was no homophobia, maybe we could all say the F word. If there was no racism, maybe you could say it and I wouldn't feel, but you can't say because it and I can't get a job because my name is yeah. Tyshell, right? Like right. you have to, like we, it, but because, and I will say maybe there was a period in the early 2000s when we just weren't, aware of how racism was happening but now all of the 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 earth's crust has coiled over and we can see the racism like you can you don't have you can look outside and see the racism you don't you don't have to like put on a micro there's no microscope and i think in the 90s and early 2000s people felt like racism like things were happening differently but now but too- that they bought it out from the wood wait hold on one second just the bully bought it out from the woodworks you can't tell me that you don't see the racism and why it's a weird thing to want to do. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I, I felt like, and, I, and I've been reading uh, about this, like I felt like in a lot of ways too, uh, racists were a lot more like frightened to be outwardly like Make racist, racist scared again. <laughs> right, that's like the, that's the new red hat. Yeah. yeah, and like, I feel like now it's like, there's just no cap on just what you can say out in these streets, like outside of your home, on social media, in the news. Like everybody just has all sorts of free range. Again, not not a a like disconnection from the consequences that come with what they say. But I feel like in the nineties, I I don't know that a lot of folks were just walking around calling people. No. There was the more black just, TV shows. There were there yeah, was we had a we had a research we had a an upsurgence. I don't know if that's the word. Like research, well, there was a lot happening. But I think the earth, like I said, the earth cross has boiled, and you can see it now. And it's like I have never, I haven't on the internet been called the on the internet been called the n word, but I've been called a monkey. Like, and and usually how how black people respond to being called a monkey um, is when you pull back the monkey's hair, um, most of them are white. <laughs> like they, that's hair girls. Like that's not a thing you know, whatever. So I think when we're thinking about it, if the world was rid of it, like you started with Mel and taking it full circle, then a word is just a, a collection of sounds, yeah. right? But because these things still have meaning in our society and still there are a, stratus, a strata of like anti-blackness, especially at the bottom where we put anti-blackness and that's not just black people, but all races. Um, you, you just, it, it's not gonna be, it's okay, but she's like, her, her dog's like, I'm hungry, y'all it went over. <laughs> But like, until it doesn't have a place where where there's a marginalized group, then we can't like have this conversation, right? Like, so I, I think that's where I am in, in who can say it, why can say it. My my final point, because I know we, we've gone a little, we, Mel was like, are we gonna have enough for an hour? I was like, girl, we have enough for an hour. 
Um, my thought process about that is, I mean, where I end is like, I cannot tell you to say it, to not say it. I will not stand for white people telling me no one can say it, but I will say the N word, much like other words like that are used as slang and whatever. So I, as I get older, I probably use it a lot less, right? Because if I'm using, it's kind of like a curse word, right? Like you don't, you know, not to say it in front of your grandma, like that's not the kind of like you're not calling your grandma my n-word like whatever so i use it less now that i'm older but i am not here to tell people what to do right. hashtag pro-choice you can do it just understand the informed point of it which is also the same conversation we're having about pro-choice like let me make a choice but do it informed right like that's the mm -hmm. thing that i i really want to get across to people is that if you're, if you're a white per if you are a white listener and you want to say it, why? If you are a, a black person and you let your, your, your white friend say it, understand what consequences may come with it. If yeah. you are a black person who doesn't want to say it all, we have to have room for that as well, right? Like I, if, if right. you don't want to say it and you want us and you want it not to be a part of the transfer, I understand that as well. But like, just, un like, I think really understanding and learning what, what, where, why, and how is really important when you decide that you want to do something or have this conversation. Um, and I think that would, for me, that's where I stand on it. Like I don't have a black people shouldn't use it. White people shouldn't use it. Like, I mean, okay, I do have a thing. White people shouldn't use it, but, but like understand why you investigate why you want to do it. And if it's because you feel starved of relationship, learn all the other things about black people instead of a word that you get to use of your mm -hmm. own. That's where I, 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 those are my, those are my, that what did Jerry Springer used to say? Final thoughts. Um, but I'd love to hear from uh, Joe Mel and then Joe, like what your as our producer who brought us this topic, what you have to say. But Joe, uh, Mel, Mel, want to hear yeah, from you? Yeah, and we'll let Joe close out. Um, Absolutely. So here's my feeling on the matter. I, as a white person, want to have as safe and as healthy of a relationship as possible with my black neighbors, who you two are. And if you tell me that this is a hurtful word to you then I trust you that you're telling the truth and I want to respect you enough to not use it. It's like, it's very simple respecting. Like it doesn't actually matter how I feel about the word, how comfortable I am with it, how not comfortable I am with it, how, how people use it growing up or didn't use it growing up. If, if black folks are telling me that this is a hurtful word and don't say it, then just don't. It's not, it doesn't have to be complicated because I want to have a good relationship with you all. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, and, and it's very hard to follow after y'all, uh, no, you know what point I, I think so that I would love to hear you close on to when you talked about this thought process of equity versus equality. Yeah. Yeah. No, the N word is not an equal opportunity type of word. I'm sorry. I, and I say that because like in the frame of equality, right? Like all of us are equals. We can say whatever the hell we want. I can say the N word if I want to. And I don't want to, I would never, but if I ever found myself in a position to sit beside myself and say the F word, nobody could stop me, right? Like I can say it, it can come out of my mouth. Nobody could stop me. However, that equity piece is understanding that I'm coming from a very different place than someone who's white when it comes to how I use the word, right? And how I understand the word, how I interact with the word. So although in equalness, we all can say whatever we want. We all have access to words. We all can say words. We all understand, but we have the access to the definitions of these words. The equity piece 
comes in when we can say, I have a different relationship with this. I come from a different frame than this. I'm impacted by this in a very, very different way than a white person white person is, right? And then just like that access of like that idea of context and consequence. <laughs> context matters, but you cannot run away from the consequences of the way that you do things in the in the words that you say. And the N word is, an, is, is one of those things. Uh, and then another thing too, I know some of y'all thinking, what if I'm a professor and the N word is in the, it doesn't lessen the impact of what you're teaching if you don't, right. if you say it, it doesn't, if you chose not to say it. So I just don't think that there's ever a reason why a white person, one, should say it, needs to say it, or would even want to. I, I just, right. it's just for me. I love I that education piece that you pulled in there. I think that that's really important because people are like, well, it's red in the, it's in the book. And I'm like, girl, but you, you just, you were burning. So that one word, you were like, gotta say this one. I'm gonna get to say it today because it's Here's in this book. And I think that that's, right. I think that's really, really important too. Like there, if you, if it's going to be hurtful, why engage in that word no matter whether it's there or not because we can all read the word yeah so thank you yeah. joe thank you for bringing this conversation as yeah, awkward as it was for mel <laughs> honestly I mel i didn't get that though. no no we got through it well working with you both is so incredible we have such an amazing team and Likewise, yeah. you know and, and i think like the 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 project like the collective project of reclaiming words is really cool work it's important work mm -hmm. And you know, hopefully, it can it can bring healing to some folks in many different communities. So that's something worth supporting and celebrating as much as we can, even though it's hard work. I think it also last work because I know we we'll, we'll, we could keep going for hours. Is that it brings back the same conversation that you you were you were around for Mel, but weren't here last week when we talked about reclamation of art. Give it back to that community and let them decide what they're going to do with it. Yes, right, and not or not give it back to the community. It's, it needs to be placed with them because I don't want to say white people get to give it back to people. Yeah. It needs to be um, it needs to be utilized and decided upon by its rightful owners. Yeah. And those those people, I don't care if a, if a picture comes from Namibia and I'm like, well, I don't know who to give it back to. I don't know. I'm going to drop it off in Namibia and let them have it because it don't belong to me. Right. Like that's the that's the kind of attitude we need to have with understanding the history, the context and where we could go in the future. So heal our, everybody heal your so own good. souls, do your own right. work. So your own thank work. you all for being yes. here with us another thanks, uh, week. Yes, thanks thank Joe. You. This was great to have you on. Yes. She was thanks like, I don't know if I could be on camera. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> we'll see you in another two weeks with another hard hitting, awkward topic um, <laughs> and more. So, you know, reach out to us. Mel, you have the better way to say where we're where we're at, but like oh, reach yeah. out to All us on things, our social media. Uh, got you, uh, we got Facebook, we got <laughs> we got Facebook, we got YouTube. Come on down, <laughs> extra synesthetic nice. We got, we got Twitter, we're on TikTok, and you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. So find us, like us, rate us, and come enjoy the conversation. Yeah. So until next, next time. time. Bye. Bye. Oh, I gotta play the outro music. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. <laughs> ah, Awkward. Here we go. <laughs>